الحمد لله وكفى وسلام على عباده الذين اصطفى أما بعد فأعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم والذين جاهدوا فينا لنهدي أنهم سبولنا سبحان ربك رب العزة عما يصفون وسلام على المرسلين الحمد لله رب العالمين اللهم صل على سيدنا محمد وعلى آل سيدنا محمد وبارك وسلم اللهم صل على سيدنا محمد وعلى آل سيدنا محمد وبارك وسلم اللهم صل على سيدنا محمد وعلى آل سيدنا محمد وبارك وسلم We all desire to have the ability to bring benefit to the people around us. We all desire that we be people that are able to bring benefit, bring change, bring khair to the people we interact with, the people that are around us, and in general the environment in which we live in. This is our desire. Many of us put tremendous effort into trying to benefit our community. Many of us put tremendous benefit into benef- trying to bring benefit to the people of the masjid. Many of us work toward trying to change for the better in the lives of people in our family. Sometimes we try to, where we put an effort into representing the deen. Some of us represent the deen, whether it be in our schools, whether it be at work, whether it be uh, in whatever social circles that we may be involved in. We do whatever we can <clears throat> to try to bring benefit to other people, try to bring change within their lives, or at the bare minimum, at least represent the deen in the best way, shape, or form. This is an effort that most people make in whatever capacity they are able to. And many of us put in effort, and we don't see much return. We don't see much return. We put in effort into trying to benefit people, trying to represent the deen, trying to speak positively about the deen, trying to encourage one another to practice the deen, trying to represent the Prophet wasallam, or at least to speak on his behalf because we are his representatives. And yet we put in all that effort and yet we don't see... Uh, we don't see anything, we don't see much coming from that effort. Let's put it that way. And there's a very important principle to keep in mind. And that is that the roadblock isn't simply the person that you are interacting with, or the person that you're dealing with, or the person that is struggling to accept either the tenets of this deen or the principles of this deen or even merely understanding an accurate representation of this deen. The problem isn't the person, necessarily. We often think it's that person. They don't want to listen, they are stubborn, or they are not inclined toward you know, changing their life around, or they've you know, heard so many different negative things about deen, for instance, and now this is them, it's only them, and if I can convince them, if I can change them. But the roadblock isn't necessarily that person. Some of us were 
at the uh, the sacred learning retreat it was in the spring in Chicago and there was an evening session or a nighttime session that Sheikh Hussein had given and it was such a profound talk that he had given to everyone now, to sort of paint the picture this is a, a once a year gathering it's a gathering that many people look forward to and normally when he addresses everyone he only does one talk that entire time and when he addresses people it, it's something that's been on his mind perhaps for that entire year. You can almost think of it as like a state of the union, right? Because everything that's sort of going through his mind, that's the gathering. There's weekly gatherings, there's monthly gatherings, but that's the one gathering, the annual gathering, in which he addresses what he feels to be of utmost importance that everyone needs to hear and everyone needs to absorb and everyone needs to properly understand. And that talk has been ringing in my mind now for several months. And the gist of that talk, it seems, or it sounds so elementary, but it was so profound. The gist of that talk was that when you do a root cause analysis of evil in this world, or of even, you could say, negativity in this world, it always comes down to two things. Always comes down to two things. Number one, shaitan. And number two, the nafs. Number one, shaitan. Number two, the nafs. Of all of the evil, the negativity uh, that exists in this world, if you were to really analyze what was behind that, okay, what was behind it, what's the source, what's the root of it, it always comes down to shaitan and nafs. And he used a couple of examples. One example he used was, for instance, you could take the, the refugee crisis that's occurring, or occurring, has ever occurred. It always, you, when you really analyze what's behind, for instance, this sort of a crisis, and you do a lot of, and you, and you really look in depth into what is actually causing that crisis, you look and you look and you look and you say, okay, well, it's because a group of people have been oppressed by one particular leader or one particular group of people. They've been oppressed and as a result, they've had to leave their homes. Okay, but then what caused, what caused that leader or those group of people to oppress those people? Okay, well, it's because they felt like they were better than them, for instance. They felt like they had more of a right or more of a hap over that you know, particular locality, and as a result, they told other people to leave that place. Or because they felt like they had some sort of power that was given to them, and they had the authority to remove another group of people from, from that particular place. Okay, but what was driving that person's uh, m mindset? What was driving their thought that they had more of a right or that they had uh, power over a particular locality to that degree that they can move, remove people from that area? It's number one, shaitan deceiving them. Or number two, their nafs that is completely out of control. Shaitan is deceiving them and, and, and planting ideas in their mind that do it, you'll become powerful, you'll become someone that's looked up to in the eyes of others. You deserve it. You've spent years and years and years earning this sort of you know, power, this kind of reign. And then the nafs, which is, which is out of control, is accepting those whispers from a shaitan. It's ruminating and you know, perpetuating those thoughts and ideas within the mind. And eventually that, that person or those group of people, they've convinced themselves that they have more of a right over a per particular piece of land and other people don't. And as a result, then you get a refugee crisis. But everything always boils down to shaitan and nafs. There's different names, different places, different people that changes through the course of time, since the beginning of time. The same things that have been happening thousands of years ago 
are the same things that were happening hundreds of years ago, the same things that will happen hundreds of years from now. The names change, the faces change, the people change, the places change, the time changes. But ultimately, it boils down to shaitan and to nafs. He gave another example. The other, the other, another example that he was, had given was if you look at uh, the history of slavery, for instance, in this country. And his point was that if you did a root cause analysis of what caused that to occur, to such a degree, to such an effect, that 400, 450 years later, you're still seeing the effects of what people had done hundreds of years ago. People today aren't necessarily responsible for what happened hundreds of years ago, and yet the effects of what happened then are still being seen today. But if you look back at what actually caused it, well, okay, then there was a group of people who lived in a particular part of the world, and other people that were trying to settle here came and decided that they should, be, they should pick them up, and they should bring them here, and they should keep, make them their intended servants, or they should, make them, they should have some sort of ownership over them. But okay, but what caused... Those people to think that, you know, why did they have, what actually put in their mind the idea that they had a right over other people to that degree, where they can enslave them and torture them and punish them and, and give them no rights. What was behind all of that? If you were to really look back, well, their nafs was completely out of control. They, there was arrogance involved. There was pride involved. There was this idea that they felt that because of the skin color that they had, that they were superior to people of a different skin color. That's a nafsi issue. That's a nafsi issue. The nafs wants you to think that you are better than someone else, whether it be because of the color of this, your skin, or because of the family that you come from, or because of the country that you're a part of. These, these are nafsi issues. This is the nafs that's driving this. The nafs that's driving this. Shaitan plans the ideas, but the, and the nafs uh, does the rest. The nafs does the rest. So he used different examples to highlight this idea that behind all of the, the problems in the world, all of the problems in this, in this world, the root of every problem in this world is shaitan and nafs. It looks like it's a particular person. It looks like it's a particular group of people. But what's behind all of it is shaitan and nafs. So why am I bringing this up? The reason I'm bringing it up is because when we are trying to change the minds of other people, or we're trying to benefit them, we're trying to represent the deen, then realize that you aren't only working on that person, you're also having to work against that person's shaitan and that person's nafs. Which makes it far more challenging. This is a little complex, so you really have to think about it. And I'll try to explain it to the best of my limited ability. When you're trying to benefit other people, when you're trying to you know, bring either change into, their, change into their life, bring khair into their life, you aren't just dealing with that person you are dealing with that person's nafs, which perhaps for years and years and years has been fed everything that feeds the nafs. So the much so that it's overtaken them. And not only that, you, every single person has a shaitan. And you're now then having to convince that person's shaitan as well. 
So for instance, let's say that, just for example's sake, let's say someone has some sort of animosity toward the deen, whatever it might be. They had a bad experience at some point in their life, whether they're within the fold of the deen or outside the fold of the deen, or maybe somehow the deen was misrepresented. And now you are making an effort to try to correct that within them. Not only are you then having to do that with them, but in addition to that, you have to then battle their shaitan and their nafs and convince them that despite what these guys are telling you, you have to listen to what I have to say. So your voice may be speaking to them, but shaitan's voice and their nafs's voice is far louder than the voice that you are using to speak to them. Are you following? You may be trying to speak to them, but their nafs is telling them, don't listen to him. Don't listen to her. They don't know what they're talking about. They just they have something in their in their own mind, their own life. They're trying to corrupt you, whatever it might be. Shaitan is telling them that, whispering them that, and their nafs is constantly telling them, "No, don't worry about that. Live the way you're living. Everything is fine. Enjoy, etc., etc., etc." So the voice of shaitan and nafs is louder than your voice. Louder than your voice. Now imagine if you're giving to talk to a group of people, or imagine that you are having to convince a group of people of something. That for instance, salah is the most important part of this deen. Now, now you are sitting and you're giving a talk, or you are sitting, uh, you're sitting and you're giving a talk, and you are up against all of the people in front of you, all of their nafs, nufus that are in front of them, and the shayateen that are trying to convince them that shaitan is not something that's of value to your life. How challenging of a test that might be, that must be. For instance, you're talking, you're speaking to a group of people because you want to represent the deen in the way that it needs to be represented, because they've heard so much misrepresentation about the deen through various various sources. You aren't just trying to convince those 30 people, it's those 30 people that you're speaking to, but then that those 30 people have their own nafs that you're trying to speak over, and then there's a shaitan that's whispering in their ear and telling them, no, that's not the reality. Didn't you see this? Didn't you see that? Didn't you hear this? Didn't you see. How are you supposed to be able to overcome that sort of a uh, that 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 sort of a situation? It's tough, and now trying to circle back. Hopefully, you followed me so far. If we are unable to have control over our own nafs and control over our own shaitan, how do we expect to be able to challenge the nafs and the shaitan of someone else? If we don't have control over our own single nafs, or our own shaitan that's constantly whispering things into our ears, how do we expect to be able to speak over or control or suppress the nafs of shaitan of the people that we interact with. It's not possible. We haven't even figured out our own lives and yet we're trying to better the lives of other people. We haven't even be able to control ourselves, right? Be able to put ourselves in line. Be able to put ourselves in constant connection with Allah. Be able to put ourselves in the masjid. And yet we, our expectation is that the rest of the world is going to listen to what we have to say. Think about it. How is that even possible? How is it even possible? This is well established in the Quran. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says clearly, and we reference this verse 
you know, oftentimes in different lectures and speeches and, and etc. Now think about it from this angle. After all of that in the in the background, in the backdrop, Allah Ta'ala says, In Allah La Yugayiruma biqawmin hatta yugayiruma bi anfusihim. That verily Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will not cause a people to change. Hatta yugayiruma bi unless they change themselves, anfusihim, their own, you know, nafs. Until they change their own nafs, there's no way the condition of a group of people is going to change. It's not possible. It's impossible. There's no way. Now you could say, well, how do I know that I don't have control over my nafs? Okay, a few simple questions. Number one, if you struggle to wake up for Fajr prayer, if waking up for Fajr prayer is a struggle, then your nafs has control over you. If waking up for Fajr prayer, look into your own life. You don't have to look at anyone else. Look into your own life. And if waking up for the Fajr prayer has been a struggle for you, look back at the last two weeks. If waking up for the Fajr prayer has been a struggle for you, then your nafs is ghalib. It's dominant over you. It's winning the battle over you. Take another example. If you struggle with reciting Quran for 20, or let's say 30 minutes every single day, if you struggle with reciting Qur'an for 20 or 30 minutes every single day, then shaitan is dominating you and your nafs <coughs> uh, is also, has also overtaken you. So these are the signs that tell us that we need to get back on track. right? If we are still struggling with reading Qur'an, if we are still struggling with coming to the masjid for fajr prayer, if we are still struggling with these sorts of things that, that, you know, that are signs, that are evidence for us, that shaitan is winning the battle with us and the nafs is winning the battle with us, that means that we have to get back on track and really, you know, you know, come down upon ourselves and figure out what's going on with my life. You know, I'm I'm so concerned about what other people think about the deen or what other people are doing with regards to the deen, I haven't even figured out myself yet. On the other hand, when a person spends time suppressing their nafs, and they reach a point where shaitan is always there, and it, the potential to deceive us is always there. But they reach a point in their life where they have at least some control over shaitan, meaning they're able to overcome the whispers of shaitan. Then they're able to effectuate change in other people as well, because they figured out their own nafs and shaitan. Now they're able to tackle the nafs and shaitan of other people as well. So then, when a person, for instance, purifies themselves, suppresses their nafs, you know, uh, and, and, and is winning the battle and, and is victorious with, with their shaitan, then when you address people, when you interact with people, when you speak to people, when you try to encourage them towards something, then in a moment's time, they're ready to listen. You try to tell someone, for instance, in your group of friends, that, you know, you really should think about salah. Salah is so important. How could we shouldn't be missing our salah, etc., They'll listen to it, they'll receive it, and in a moment's time they're ready to practice it. Look at the Prophet ﷺ, someone who was pure inside and outside, who shaitan was nothing in, in front of the Prophet. ﷺ. His nafs, there was no, uh, it, he had, it didn't exist essentially. And look, one word from the Prophet ﷺ, that he would tell a group of companions to do one thing, and all of them would do it. You know, Allah Ta'ala tells them in the Quran, the Prophet ﷺ reveals to them that now alcohol is prohibited. And what happens? The entire community of Medina pours all of their wine into the streets of Medina so that wine is flowing through. In a minute's time, they're able to give up that bad habit. 
Because it was the person that was speaking. It was a person that was addressing them. And not necessarily what was being said. Are you following? So, another example. If you were to look at when was the most successful, when was the deen the most successful? When was the deen the most successful, looking back at our history? And you can say relatively comfortably that it was the time where Umar bin Khattab anhu was the leader of the ummah. When he was the leader of the ummah, the deen was at its peak. It was at its peak. This is when the deen was at its peak. <coughs> Who was Umar anhu? It's said about Umar anhu that when he would walk down a street, that shaitan would take a different street and walk in a different direction. His shaitan was afraid of Umar Meaning he was that dominant over his shaitan. You know, he was a ghalib. He was overpowering his shaitan to such a degree that his shaitan was scared that it would take a different direction when it was when Umar was walking. His shaitan would go in a completely different direction. And as a result, he was a leader of, at the time, perhaps the most successful the Ummah was. He was dominant. He had owned his nafs. He had owned his nafs. And he had owned his shaitan. He had owned his nafs and his owned his shaitan. And look at the khayr and the benefit that he was able to bring to the community. So, perhaps this, you know, I've taken you sort of along this journey to explain this simple principle. That we have a lot of work to do on ourselves. We, if we, and mashallah, we all in some way, shape, or form, we have some expectation of influence on people around us, whichever circle it might be. And if we truly want to be people who represent the deen properly and want to call people to Allah and want to (coughs) perhaps clarify some misconceptions or even bring people that have left the deen back into the fold of the deen, we really need to look at ourselves. We really need to look deep down inside and, fig- and, and ask ourselves, have we, left, have we let our nafs get out of control? I mean, who am I? What have I been doing? Am I regular in the masjid? Am I regular with Quran? Am I regular with giving a sadaqah? Am I following the tennis of this deen? Am I, or am I someone who's falling to the traps of shaitan? Am I someone who's constantly giving in to the desires of my nafs, the desires of my aql? And if, if that's the case, then then I know where my effort needs to be put. Then I know where my effort needs to be put. And we put effort, if we put effort into this, to rectifying ourselves, not only will we benefit, but everybody around us will also benefit. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant us all the tawfiq to recognize the, the shaitan and nafs that are constantly challenging us. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala make us regular in our deeds and make us regular in our worship of Him and draw us closer and closer to Him. And may Allah Ta'ala grant us all the ability and the tawfiq to <coughs> suppress our nafs, be regular in our deeds, and draw us all closer to Him and His Messenger, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. Wa akhir da'wana, alhamdulillahi